0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network.
1: Welcome to the Oz Network for the worst episode of 24 ever. So far. According, according to somebody at least, and we'll see if I agree with that. The episode that aired February 12, 2007, uh, directed by Brad Turner, written by one time and one time only 24 writer Adam E. Fierro. Shows. Wonder why? <laughs> uh, this is the great episode where. Marilyn does stuff and Jack follows her around and Milo goes in the field and uh, Morris is troubled. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it. And this is the single most soap opery thing 24 has ever produced so far. And I half expected so far, <laughs> I half expect to see Adam Eve Fierro. Uh, having written on The Bold and the Beautiful or something like that afterwards, only to find out this guy is one of the main writers on The Wire. or Sorry, not The Wire, The Shield. He did write for The Wire, but The Shield, two of the most critically acclaimed television shows of this century, and he wrote the worst episode ever of 24. Uh, so good job, Adam E. Fierro. And uh, Ben, what else was happening on this date in 2007 or any year? That tune, tune
0: in last week because apparently I found out that this episode actually aired the same night as last week. So I'm here losing my mind oh. going February 12th. I swear I read this last week. Abraham Lincoln has two birthdays. Like what's going on? <laughs> um, but apparently this aired the same night as uh, the last week's episode. So Fe- Abraham Lincoln, Christina Ricci's birthday. And I think there was a plane crash from memory. So, yeah.
1: And of the, the episodes that they felt the need to double up, this is what they felt would keep people sticking around waiting for the second hour of 24 in yeah. a season like this. Yep. Sad.
0: Uh, my name is Colin, and we're shorthanded, so get your shirt on and let's go. And my name is Ben, and really, we don't need to talk about this.
1: <laughs> Please not. You, you You said this was the worst episode ever. It would be your new worst episode ever. And I try to keep an open mind. We're going to see in the upcoming weeks that that I do have an open mind with some things that I'm going to be forgiving of some things in the season. I hate to agree with Ben, but like (laughs) the second this episode was halfway through, I'm like, he's right. This is the worst episode I've ever seen of the show. Yeah, it is so bad. The writing is terrible. I'm sure Adam Fierro that you've written some great stuff for The Wire and The Shield and all those other gritty dramas. Um, Why they hired you to maybe they just needed a fall guy. This is this is like their version of a, uh, uh, a Thomas Lennox or something like that. We, we need somebody that could take the fall for this. Um, it's horrible. It is, it is so beyond horrible. It is sad. Nothing makes sense in this episode. The little bit of drama we have is so over the top. Uh, the dialogue reads like a soap opera. Um and, and there's only one redeeming factor in this episode, which is the only thing I'm gonna be excited to talk about, but uh we'll get to that later.
0: To point out where we're at at twenty-four right now, in two weeks' time, Bart Simpson will be making an appearance in this show. Um just to yeah. just to point that out. Um Yeah, I also feel really bad that we're airing these at Christmas time, basically. Uh this shouldn't oh, be a Christmas. Sorry gift. for ruining your Christmas. Well, two weeks away from Christmas, but we're that close, right? Like just just skip this, wait a couple of days. Uh, you'll get to Violent Night. That's a much better episode that we're going to cover. Um,
1: or we'll, we'll, we'll try to kill Wayne Palmer on Christmas. That's, that's festive, right? It's
0: literally going to be happening. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, DB Woodside. <laughs> um, I mean, this the, the thing I have about this episode, and, and this is a trend. Like, as I've, I've constantly alluded to, there's going to be a trend in the coming weeks where I'm going to be constantly saying this is the worst episode of all time. The next two weeks. Next week, I'm saying, is worse than this week. Um, but... To me, this episode is boring. Like, I think there's so much stuff going on that should be better. You're right. The dialogue is bad. The acting's bad. And it's just, it's stuff that just doesn't fit in with this show. And I feel really bad kind of being so negative about a show that I love. And I know when we we talked to Donnie a couple of weeks ago, like sort of we, we touched on that period of things. But it's, it's, I also think it's a level where I can't not be passionate about something that I love. If anybody's listened to the third watch episodes when I got very angry on some of these episodes. And that's my favorite show of all time. Um, I think if any of the writers or any of the actors or anybody from 24 listens to this show, I think it's a good thing that somebody who's such a big fan is getting passionately angry about a show that I love so much that can be so bad. I will say that a bad episode of 24, I'll still watch over the greatest episode of Grey's Anatomy of all time. Um, (laughs) Saw (laughs) Colin Rowling's eyes there. He agrees with me. What was the greatest episode of Grey's Anatomy of all time? I fucking don't know that one with Snow Patrol (laughs) that got famous in it. I have no clue, but (laughs) this is just like so popular. And like, I want to formally apologize right now to the actor who played Josh. May he rest in peace. I'm so sad that he died recently. That is not a good thing. shouldn't die that age. Evan Illingson, I, I apologize to your soul and your family. I'm bagging out the character and some of your acting in this episode. I'm sure CSI Miami brought you great success. And to Marilyn Bauer, a.k.a. Renee Sofa, I'm sure you were great in the world of soap operas, and I'm sure that's where your speciality lies. I read in the book that you had never done an action scene before. I don't think you have done acting before this episode, but, like, okay, I apologise in advance, but I'm not going to be kind to you this week. Um, And even James Cromwell, Academy Award nominee, (laughs) Australia's favourite farming father, is horrible this week. So, um... (laughs) This isn't going to be a kind episode to any of those people involved, so uh, brace yourselves.
1: Well, uh, just to catch people up, uh, according to at least Collider.com, the greatest episode of Grey's Anatomy ever <laughs> is Death and All His Friends, the season six finale. So season six was good to somebody. Is that the uh, Snow Patrol?
0: I remember that uh, chasing cars got huge because there was like some big finale at the end of a Grey's Anatomy season that basically put Snow Patrol and chasing cars on the map. So then the thing that like made me, I think the moment to me, ER jumped the shark was when ER about a season later were like, Hmm. Grey's Anatomy is doing well. Let's do a cliffhanger on the other famous Snow Patrol song. And I'm like, <laughs> no, we are don't stoop to their level. Uh, so anyway. Well, I,
1: I will say it has me intrigued because uh, at least the the image from the episode that they have here on this article has uh, a bunch of doctors performing. Very bloody surgery in an OR, and a guy not wearing a mask holding a gun uh, at the camera or whoever's behind the camera. Sounds like that same uh, finale of ER yeah. that I mentioned a season later. So again, ER
0: <laughs> stolen from Grey's Anatomy even more. No, we are no.
1: Oh, none of this would have happened if they just held on to Paul mccrane Uh, Lesson learned, never let Paul McCrane go.
0: Randomly, I know this episode's not going to take long, but like speaking of ER and Paul McCrane and Connections, I randomly this week watched Liar Liar because I had not watched it in a very long time. And Maura Tierney, what a woman. Can we talk about her more? I like her. Uh, Whenever we eventually get to ER, we will. More. Did you like Abby? (laughs) Did you like nurse, future Dr. Abby?
1: She was one of the few characters with a little bit of depth. In later seasons. Yeah. Most of the characters are like so predictable, but her character was all over the place. like uh, so Morris. Probably one of the she good ones. was
0: an alcoholic. So there's our tie yes. in back to 24.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about ER this week as we skip the worst ever episode of 24. Um, famous last words, this shouldn't take us that long. Uh let's start with uh the 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 I don't even want to call it the Palmer drama anymore because it's more the Lennox drama. Uh, But I will say Wayne sounds a lot like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh in this episode. He's just very (laughs) mobile. Oh, bother. Oh, Lennox is mad at me. Oh, Daniels wants to do what Lennox wants. Nobody (laughs) listens to me. My brother's dead. Um, We, we do get, uh, I guess it's a decent scene. So maybe there's, there's two redeeming factors in this episode. The, the phone call with Daniels uh, that uh, Wayne has again, it's just presenting both sides of the argument. Uh, we kind of know that uh, you know there is one side to this but again from the information that presented you can't really blame Daniels that they, they talk about how uh, yeah this bill that you and Lennox want to put forth or whatever or there's these measures it doesn't designate a country of origin we're, we're basically just blanketed saying Arabs are bad and then you have Daniels who's presented the side saying don't you think putting a known terrorist who's own propaganda
0: is what worked these people up on the air might be a
1: little bit risky it's the best uh, scene of the so, episode
0: this is the best scene in the entire well, episode in my opinion I mean, fucking powers booth uh, he's bringing the power uh, of this scene it's amazing this is the one good written episode yeah. of the episode
1: i'll give you that there's another one that i like a little bit more which is coming right up here um the uh i i do wonder though with this speech like they're so worried about it seven second delay is a thing in every bit of live television uh <laughs> the super bowl operates on seven second delays that was a big controversy with yeah. the whole nipple slip and everything it's like yeah. you had a delay why didn't you use it um uh, so yeah th- th- i don't know if they should be that worked up about assad but again it's it's at least presenting like the, the whole idea about putting a terrace on the air is a, a little bit uh a l- little bit out there um uh the, uh, the, the other thing is with the, uh, the, the Lennox and diet Rob Lowe, uh, Reed here, uh, their scene again, it's this ominous tone that they have. And this is what I like as far as from a filmmaking point of view, from Brad Turner's point of view, this was the one scene I liked in the episode. And it's just all the stuff with Lennox and Reed for at least this episode until we get to next week where it starts to get a little bit too far fetched. Um, it, it just, it feels very like Darth Sidious, Anakin Skywalker, you know, like the, the meeting in the dark room and, and yes it is very over the top but it's still i, I kind of have fun watching them go back and forth uh them talking about uh uh the giving lennox the plausible deniability this is going to be an important factor with uh reed's character or even lennox's character coming up uh, about we still feel that there's use for you lennox uh, and we want to make sure you have that plausible deniability reminds me of independence day uh you know why didn't i know about this two words mr president plausible deniability uh, and even Reed has, a, I guess, a decent line here where uh, Lennox is asking this question. He goes, I'm not the architect. I'm just a conduit. Again, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just it's the ominous tone of this. So uh, I, I think I'm I, I am a fan of almost everything they do with the presidential stuff this season, which is a total turnaround from what I thought coming
0: into this season. You which don't I remember I thought this some of the stuff of, later on with Powers Booth.
1: <laughs> I, well, but but again, it's when you present a plot line like this, that is so out there, but you execute it well, you can start to forgive a lot of the ridiculousness of it. And I feel like this is the difference from what we got with David Palmer, what they struggled with for three seasons with David, uh, and what they kind of nail in this season with Wayne and Wayne is sort of the forgettable president or the forgettable Palmer here. Uh, let's be honest, Regina King's the forgettable Palmer, but at least of the brothers here. Uh, but, uh, but
0: they never were able hang to on, really. Hang on, hang on. Back get... yourself up. Keith and Nicole? Well, they're not brothers with David. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> they're these children, they're Palmers. Are they
1: okay? Well, I'll, I'll take, yeah, I guess they're the more Rank forgettable. Rank the Palmers of all in terms punk. of
0: memorability one, <laughs> Sherry, a big gap, David, <laughs> three, <This is> Wayne <laughs> uh, on the tube this weekend, ranking the Palmers well,
1: on E. <laughs> I'm e. no, no,
0: no, sorry to disrespect and interrupt you there, but I mean, like, at least <laughs> Regina King plays Sandra Palmer. Tell me right now who played Nicole Palmer. Go. Uh, it's it's <laughs> Nicole Palmer played herself. Please, we can remember Valacious Shannon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mighty yeah. Ducks, Valacious Shannon follows but, uh, us on the old Ob- network, by the way, but never responds to our messages. Happy, uh, happy day, Valacious.
1: <laughs> but, but yeah, I do, I do think that uh, there's something with the way that they film this, and maybe it's because the regular soap opera stuff just doesn't cut it. That this political soap opera this very tom clancy like soap opera i'm kind of into
0: yeah i, I disagree i mean look okay hang on I, I disagree on some of the stuff i i mean yeah you're right like the the you touched on it last week it's it is very dark, Sidious anakin i like that but it just doesn't fit and again as we keep saying it's rushed it's so rushed because again think about what we're going to get next week with how quickly this turns this is within two episodes and this is just the issue And, again, as I keep reiterating, this was me last season over Logan's turn, to me, just doesn't fit right once you sort of know it's coming and it feels so out of place. This, like, all of a sudden, like, no, president doesn't like me. He doesn't want to go with my plan. Let's kill him. Oh, you're muted, Boomer. Uh, We are going to... (laughs) I like that. (laughs) But it's just so quick and rushed. And then all of a sudden, like, I love Lennox, but, like, this is where I get an issue with Lennox because it's like last week... Yeah, let's kill him next week. Nah, let's not. Um, It's like, make up your mind. Um, Well, we'll debate that a bit next week, because I think I I have a different view of
1: the way everything happens with Lennox than I had the first time I watched this even coming into this season.
0: I just, it's so, 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 so far-fetched. Like, this Diet Rob Lowe sitting around going, grr, I hate these presidents, like racism in the White House. So he's just got a contingency plan ready to fire to kill him at a a blink's notice. Like it's just, it's so over the top and stupid. And again, this is my issue why I'm getting so angry at my beloved 24. It's like, it's if this was what 24 was from day one, within two seconds, you're going to assassinate the president. I would be fine with that. Like house of cards is a weird example, but house of cards set the precedent for way over the top political stuff. I'm going to push someone in front of a train I'm going to have a threesome with my secret service agent. Like, I mean, it's just batshit crazy. Nip Tuck, as I said, it always under the surface was a soap opera. It always had that there. So even when it does go that extra level of crazy, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, I get it. That's kind of always be there Mm. if you analyze it. 24 hasn't hit that peak over the top. I'm going to assassinate the president within two seconds of somebody going against my decision. Where's the... 23rd Amendment, 25th Amendment, where's Alan Day or whatever the fuck it's been called. They implement that so many times. Why do they go straight to murder? Like it's just. Yeah. It's that's my <laughs> issue. You go from zero to full R word, Robert Downey Jr. Tropic Thunder that we keep bringing up. That's what you do here. And that's my biggest issue. If you are going to have a plot to assassinate the president, draw this out. That is intriguing. Yeah. Like And you know ins- what's
1: sad? Yeah, go for it. I was gonna say what's sad, like because I, I don't disagree with you, but what's sad is that this is the most drawn out plot that we have for this entire season. Uh they're taking three, four weeks to get there. Uh, which in another season, in season four, season five, I mean, that would be nothing at all. But compared to this, I think comparatively to this season where everything is so rushed where it's like it's over and done within a week, and and you're getting to from point A to point Z in about 20 minutes. I'm appreciating at least this thing and, and it is completely far-fetched like i don't think we ever really learn why there's this immediate urgency we got to kill wayne palmer unless this is part of the massive plot that they decided never to pay off in the future seasons and
0: exactly and then like you've got this great scene with powers booth kind of like you know detailing things so you've kind of got to imply that he's involved but then it's sort of like well he's not and like one thing you got to think about this episode too I feel like we've been in this weird zone of 24. Well, recently we've recently been like, well, there's only maybe one thing to talk about. But now, this is season two all over again. You've got so many things that you're trying to digest to compute. You've got Powers Booth versus D.B. Woodside. You've got Lennox and Diet uh, Rob Lowe against the president. You've got Lennox and the president trying to come together. So that's three alone in the White House. Mix that in with, oh, no, Morris is a bit of a drunk. Morris is sad. Mix that with Chloe meeting Jack, doing this, doing that. Then you've got Marilyn. Then you got Jack. Then you got Josh. Then you've got, don't forget Fayed still in this episode. And then we meet freaking mm. Gradenko for the first time. There's at least eight or nine plot threads we're trying to digest here, which you're trying to compute. And somehow, as I said, this is a boring episode in my mind. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it's, it's just, it's too much. It's too much, too fast. I want a season long intriguing storyline of assassination. This is where I think season eight goes back into what season one did so well. It's that intrigue and build up around the threat of an assassination. And season eight takes it a different path to what season one did. Season eight still has a lot of tropes such as, oh, we've got an internal mole who it is. They do that differently. We find out who the mole is very early and kind of go on the ride with that mole and see it from their perspective. If we saw Nina from the beginning and what she was doing, it's clever in my mind. So I think that like, I, to me, I'm jumping ahead here, but these are the the seeds to me where 24 is really going off the rails. They suck, they they just keep getting worse and worse and worse to me. They give up this season, go ah fuck it, we're we'll fuck this up. They do well with the redemption. They start off okay in season seven, then go right off the rails again, and then season eight and nine they kind of improve it and then go fuck it. Let's do live um legacy because why the fuck? Mm. <laughs> uh, ben, get we'll, over, we'll- drop my. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll get to the
1: Gredenko-Fayed stuff, which is really like two quick scenes, but yeah. I'll kind of group that in with like the first half of Jack and everybody at CTU, which uh, I, it didn't even occur to me because they don't make a big deal about it in this
0: episode, but this is Jack's first time back at CTU. But, but and, I was going to add that it's, it's that class. I agree with you. It is. But like, this is the thing, as I said, last season, the season before, this is now the trope i think we will get this in season eight we obviously don't get it next season because we don't have a ctu next season but this is every season from season two except for season three because he's already there we get a jack walks into ctu with a and everybody looks at him and he feels solemn and we get a subtle welcome back before i get straight back into his job it's it's Well, I actually did listen to the most of the commentary in this episode. And then
1: I just kind of gave up because they weren't really they were being very complimentary towards it, and I started getting angry. <laughs> but the the commentary was with the editor and with uh, Eric Belfour. Uh, there were a couple of little fun tidbits in there, but uh it wasn't until they mentioned that where I'm um, cuz they downplay it so much. And maybe it is just because yeah, this is like the what, the fourth season in a row where we've had that same moment of Jack coming back in where It's almost just brushed under the rug, like oh, we've done this before, let's get it over with. Because otherwise, the audience is going to call out, Why is nobody acknowledging this? Only when Eric Belfort mentioned in the commentary did I realize this. Um, but uh, first of all, I guess the Fiad, uh, we get him in a helicopter. I love the helicopter, lots of helicopters this season. Uh, landing at uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be a dam or a floodway. Um, but uh, he makes a phone call to Grodenko. and here we get introduced to introduce Grodenko the first time. Now, th- this actor everybody probably recognizes this guy from something. This is the guy who will always play the crazy Russia, the crazy Mm. European guy. Uh, The actor, I'll butcher his name here, Rade Serbedzia. There he is. Uh, So this guy, we've actually covered a movie he was in because he was in Mission Impossible 2. He was like the guy who smuggled the virus out, who was like an old friend of Tom Cruise's.
0: Which I oh, was sorry. I was just going to remember like, else? No, but like I don't. I don't really remember that recap in that movie. But I do vaguely remember, like maybe I mentioned that in that episode when we looked him up. Like I was like, hey, he played oh. Grudenko in in uh, twenty four. Well, I said, he's been
1: in everything. I mean, I Space I, Cowboys, I,
0: uh, oh. Eyes Wide Shut. Like he was a Tom oh. Cruise
1: guy. Tom Cruise cast him in Eyes Wide Shut, <laughs> where uh, Lily Sobieski played oh. his teenage daughter that he was trying to pimp out to Tom Cruise. Oh, I, showing I, the I types of that. guys that he. This is the type of guy that he usually plays. Um, one of my favorite roles of him, because he's been in a ton of stuff. He was in one of the X-Men movies, but one of my favorite roles of his is just a very small role he had in Batman Begins. If you remember when Bruce Wayne decides to disappear mm. and he borrows a homeless man's coat and or mm. exchanges with the homeless man, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that homeless man's like, oh, what a nice coat. It's that guy. Now, ah. this guy's always playing the angry, crazy Russian or angry, crazy European You're a trip? Uh, and uh, well, the quiet American there, he did one with Brendan Fraser Marty and Bonnie Young
0: with Bill Paxton. <laughs>
1: What are the guys this guy's worked with. Taken 2 with Liam Neeson. Uh, But the way they described him on the comment, they basically said him and uh, uh, Adoni are essentially the same person. They always play like this hideous, evil person, but they are literally the nicest people in the world, which is funny because I've never really seen – I've seen this guy in lots of movies, the guy who plays Gredenko – but I don't
0: think I ever would have pictured him like a Donny to be like this nice, gentle man. I literally just watched him in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Um, so, Oh, the, the the worst of the Deathly Hallows films. Yeah, I think that was, I think I ranked that my third lowest Harry Potter film. No, my second lowest Harry Potter film, only Chamber of the Secrets. But my number one, by the way, um, the, the sixth one, the one where Dumbledore dies.
1: And that, it, again, I've watched these movies twice, both times, because Jamie made me. I'm not a fan of the franchise, but easily number six your favorite is easily my least favorite really uh so if we ever do cover those that might be an interesting i one.
0: really think we should uh, i mean again i'm, I'm not i wasn't <laughs> like in enamored by them i'm like they were the harry potter movies i basically have the same opinion as i did beforehand they're, they're good but i would never you know sit down and you know get invested in them i still want to read the books but um i think that would be fun to cover because there's so many like little things we could nitpick about it they would be fun movies to cover uh, we do start to
1: get uh, to the bottom of what this whole plot is, at least Grudenko's side of it. Plot. Uh, I like him talking to um, his his other henchmen here, talking about, "Do you really sure it's it's wise to trust the Arabs?" and uh, Russians. <laughs> will blame know, the Arabs. Uh, well, it, and that's kind of what it all boils down to. Is they're like, for years during the Cold War, we were afraid to use nuclear weapons against America. Let's make somebody else take the blame yeah it's 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 at least paying off a little bit of a plot i mean the russians are going to be part of the show for a little while this out
0: colin this is my thing this is a smart plot like i want to see like we don't have warring like villains against each other we kind of did in season three with like saunders and the salazar's in a way but like wouldn't this make for a fascinating season long battle like even like back in season one the drazens and um what's his face in the compound like that was kind of a bit warring but like these two, like it's this is the interesting stuff we get for this season is kind of Gradenko versus Fayed. And it really like when we get to the two good episodes in the middle of the season, it borders down to kind of the crescendo of these two. But like, I want this. This is fascinating to me. I wish we had more of this. Um, the uh, the
1: stuff at CTU uh Bill gives a briefing on Gradenko. Um Milo is restoring fragments of an email. Oh boy. Um more they're asking for Morris's help uh when Morse is back uh or Chloe says can I please talk to him first and then this lady mm. here oh the worst we have to take him to medical yes give
0: us 10 minutes against a star destroyer <laughs> I'm glad you wrote that down because she's so bad like we have wow. to go to medical please like I, did, I didn't see the trivia I'll have a look in a sec but I'm hoping she's just like a writer or something who wanted a cameo or a fan that won a competition at least because like seriously she is horrible
1: well, there there is um a uh, a little Easter egg that's in here. Uh so uh when Jack comes back here, Bill tells him about Gradenko. Then we get Philip deleting phone calls or phone uh numbers, I guess, off of Graham's cell phone, mm. which the number he deletes, I, I didn't write down what the name was, but I'm like, is this somebody who factors in later in the season? Because the name it's not like a name like Gradenko that you're like, oh, I remember that name. It's literally the name of a prop master on the show who'd been with the show from the beginning. Uh, so they threw a crew member's name in there that he's deleting. So one of the crew members is tied to terrorism. This already is like, I, I just, I don't want to be poking holes in it because I actually want to like some of this family drama with Jack, especially the Jack and Philip stuff. On a rewatch, it is slightly better than I remembered, partly because James Cromwell and James Cromwell's doing what I, I honestly believe. He was not necessarily the right actor, but I also think that he's doing what he can with a character that I think that they had no clue what they were doing with from minute to minute. You hear about these troubled productions where they're doing rewrites in the middle of a, you know, in the movie or in the middle of a TV series. And it almost feels like that here because he seems to be playing like a different character from one scene to the next. Uh, But how he has access... To this in the first place, like it's it's all very absurd. And this is going to become a bigger problem uh, a little bit later on, or only in like one or two more scenes here. But like he's left unattended. You have some, they're always talking about how they have a lack of leads. Now you have the cell phone in your custody of a guy, the only person you know that was a terrorist that's tied to this. And you're not even keeping his phone out of the dad's reach. And why is Philip there in the first place? I don't even understand it. Uh, I will say this is one of the scenes where I'm like, I really want, to like Jack and Philip together. There's a couple things that James Cromwell does that's really good. Um, uh, the way that when he's seeing like the picture of Graham or whatever, he has this look on his face where where stuff that we should have gotten last episode. This is where I feel like they're not writing this character or keeping him in the loop from one moment to the next because we had none of this like father regrets killing his child when he actually killed him. But now all of a sudden he's looking at the photo and he's a little bit sad, and you know. It's it's going to be very similar with some of the stuff with Jack that's going to be coming up later on too, um, so yeah. It, 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 there's almost a little bit of snarkiness with him too, like he's snarky, sad, which I kind of like. Um, th- there, uh, there there's this moment here where um, uh, Chloe's spying on the doctor who's checking up on Morris, who is a real
0: actress, by the way. Sorry to jump in, but I, I regret to oh. inform you that Natalia Nogalich apparently has I mean, she was in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, apparently. So um, playing who? the christmas tree i have no fucking clue um but yeah sad to say that she is a, a legit actress not your best performance natalia sorry
1: uh i'm gonna have to look it up to see who she played because nobody's bad in christmas vacation unless it
0: was just a background yeah, extra maybe. overrated
1: um yeah so uh the uh the scene with with chloe coming in here the doctor you can see him now it hasn't even been 10 minutes but you can see him now don't worry he almost had his head drilled and he was kidnapped by terrorists but i've cleared him to work again uh, I like, I like some of the dialogue here where um, uh, Morris is like a little bit shaken and Chloe's like, well, you were tortured. And he goes, I armed a nuclear bomb <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I sure you're going to disagree with me on this, but I think that what we're going to get coming up with Morris again, it's bad soap opera as far as storyline goes, but like Carlo Rota really does this justice. Oh, I agree with that. Uh, he does a good job. And, and, and I think that uh, the scene here where you're seeing like a, a, where he even says something. of the oh, says, well you can't blame yourself like that was a really funny take after he just said I armed a nuclear bomb you, you can't blame yourself I, I almost just wanted love like, if this was like live in front of a studio audience that's where the laugh track thing would hit and <laughs> can't blame yourself you armed a nuclear bomb um so this is this the second scene where you start to get more of the plot holes when uh Bill's talking to Jack and his the toxicology basically says you killed your brother and then he says and the camera was running And the the other agent or agent Burke or whatever said this was happened. Hold on a second. Backtrack here. The camera was running. So at what point did they turn this off conveniently when they left the prisoner, Paul, Paul Paul McCrane, where he first name based on Graham unattended so his dad could go in there and kill him or is there something i missed where graham or philip goes in there one of those guys one of the power boys (laughs) goes in there and shuts off the camera just don't don't remind the audience that there was a camera present you don't even have to say that in this episode because all it does is make you look more idiotic because there was supposed to be a camera there and everybody should know what philip did um they stopped it just in time uh, I, there's a nice line here from Kiefer where he says he was tried to warn Bill that he was. I tried to warn you. I wasn't feeling the best today, and I wasn't really up to this. Uh, Kiefer's performance really does help this story. Bill offers to cover it up, which you know, Jack doesn't want him to do. Um, to me, just like I was saying, like Karen, when they're saying you know Karen's on the right side of her argument earlier on, but her just giving up so easily just proves that like she's probably not cut out for that job. It's the same thing with Bill. Lennox is blackmailing Karen by saying. Your husband broke the rules, and I was willing to brush this under the rug that Jack killed their only mm. uh, person who was their lead and was his brother, yeah. and he really did kill him. We saw that in the episode where he said, keep giving it to him.
0: Uh, this doesn't make Bill look good either. Uh, yeah, look, I don't know if I – I mean, the Jack, Bill – like, Jack coming into uh, – yeah, whatever. Like, it's just cool. There he comes again. Um the Jack-Chloe scene's okay, but, I mean, again, they're the only kind of redeeming factors we get when we sort of get those two kind of reuniting. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Like, I, Because I kind of like Bill, first of all, going, like, take a seat, Jack. Like, kind of like, you know. Pick a seat, young Skywalker. <laughs> like, I, I, kind, I kind of like that bit. But then it just, the. I think this scene almost sums up this season in, a in what, four minutes. Because, like, he's all like, oh, you, you did this, you did that, you went against protocol, but we'll sleep it under the rug. Let's move on. It's yeah. kind of like that sums up like Tom Lennox this week to next. It sums up, you know, <laughs> this and that. Like it just, it just, it changes on a dime. Um And, but I mean, again, I've always said this season, I like these little moments when Jack's like, I don't think I can do this again. Give us more of yeah. that. I love mm-hmm. Jack doubting himself. Like the bit at the end of this episode, when we get the line of Jack, like how could he be so stupid? That was a season five line last year. And I said, I like that, but build more into it. I like Jack doubting himself because it shows yeah. Jack's human. That's why I like season one so much. You get personal Jack. You get more into this guy's psyche. As much as I love Jack Bauer, Power Hour, killing stuff, taking names, kicking ass, all that kind of stuff. I want my my heroes to be a bit human as well. You mm-hmm. know, so I like that element of it. But again, you kind of contradict everything around it. The Morris stuff, again, I like it on paper. Draw this out. This guy has baggage. I I he he's an alcoholic. What do they do with this? They literally go, oh, he got tortured, so we're going to bring him back into the episode. Chloe walks in. Morris, I'm really sad that you're not good. I'm, I'm here for you. He's like, I, I let, you know, terrorists make me arm a nuclear bomb. I'm a horrible person. Okay, I'll check in with you in ten minutes. Ten minutes later, <laughs> Morris, <laughs> get the fuck over it and get to work. Now, like, seriously? Like, this guy just got tortured by terrorists and armed <laughs> a nuclear bomb. He's a bit... Okay, to be a bit sad, um, and yeah. then like what we're going to get next week is him having a drink. Okay, fair enough, he's an alcoholic, but like he's straight away like it's just so over the place. And you're absolutely right. Colorado does a fantastic job with this, absolutely. And I, I actually want to commend um, um, Chloe. Why have I gone blank Marilyn. on uh, Marilyn Radzki's name? Sorry, yeah. Marilyn. Uh, because again, as we constantly point out with Marilyn Radzki, she's not really a dramatic actress. So, therefore, like, whenever she pulls off scenes like this, I think it's fantastic. But Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so sporadically over the place. I mean, again, Chloe, like, she was the one being berated a week or so ago because her husband or whatever he is, partner, is, like, being tortured. Oh, do your job, Chloe. She's making mistakes. Like, make up your mind, CTU. And is this also the episode two of CTU where, again, let's point out when CTU technology is only convenient for the plot's sake, the beginning of this episode, the FAA could not track fayed's helicopter okay your ctu all right you have satellites that again can recognize shoulders of people on red light cameras when you need them to you can't have. and i doubt s- there's a lot of air traffic after a nuclear bomb goes off you can't track a simple i i, I know enough about satellites that i could log on to google maps right now there just happens <laughs> to be a helicopter there's a helicopter see it like i think i know what one looks like so again for plot's sake why the hell do you have to do this? Um, yeah, it's there's just some stuff here that just really just you know, and also why does CTU have a morgue? Like with the with the um, Jack's dad stuff. So when they say like his dad, yep, yep, yeah, you know, Philip is here in the morgue. How many people die in this freaking government agency? That the, uh, <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. That, Paula? I'm, I'm sure my local police station doesn't have a morgue. I mean, maybe after all the terrorist attacks, they're like, fuck, we need one. Um, well, come on. They've had Paul. They had Paul Reigns. True. Any,
1: anybody with a Paul in their name, whether it be the actor or the character, is going to end
0: up in the morgue. That's Paula Paul. Yeah, that's actually, you're onto something there. That's, <laughs> if you're a Paul, do not go into CTU. But I think with James Cromwell, like, yeah, you're right. But like, like, that, I do like that scene when he looks at the the photo. Like, it kind of, you know, again, it adds a bit of a layer. Like, maybe he's feeling something here, but then it just he's cold-blooded killer. But, like, it's just, there's just something about his performance that just doesn't sit well with me. Like, and again, I, I, I don't doubt James Cromwell's not doing this deliberately. He's kind of like, this is his MO. They're getting into the character, so this is how he thinks his character should be played. And again, maybe it's just James Cromwell can't play this kind of, like, because the thing with Philip Bauer is... He is such a bipolar. Like, you're meant to believe that, oh no, he was like, what we're going to get next week? Like, oh no, I was doing this. I had no choice. And as you're going to learn with Phil Bow, he's just an evil prick. Like, he's just constantly Mm -hmm. lying to Jack to try and get away with things. But there's just something about him that you just, you don't believe. Like, you just, like, Nina pulled it off. Like, sincere. Sarah Clark, thank you. Sarah Clark would pull it off. Whereas, like, James Cromwell can't. And that's just kind of frustrating for an Academy Award nominee. But maybe some actors just can't pull things off. Like I mean, you know, Meryl trips a bad example. She can do anything, but like there's certain actors. Who there's are, this pe- doctor who <laughs> come back in ten minutes. She's probably amazing in National Lampoon's Christmas <laughs> Vacation. It's a Christmas tree. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. But like, it just there's something about his performance that really doesn't doesn't sit well with me. And I like James Cromwell, but again, Donald Sutherland. Imagine Donald Sutherland here, and I like I just don't yeah. think James Cromwell and Kiefer have chemistry. And not like obviously in that type, but I don't believe them as father and son. That's been one of my biggest issues with this season why I don't like it so much. Is I don't believe these two are related. That's a thing to me. And that just plays badly in scenes that we're gonna get like at the end of this episode or next week.
1: Uh so this actress who played the doctor, she's actually done quite a bit. I mean, mostly yeah, TV around since like the seventies. Um I'm gonna. I'm trying to find National Lampoon's on here. Um, how can I? The, the, here we go. Mrs. Shirley. Uh, who is Mrs. Shirley? Oh, that's Shirley, okay. So this. is serious can huh? No, the um. If you remember the end of the movie where Randy Quaid kidnaps Chevy Chase's boss, oh, it's
0: been a long time. She's since the I wife. It.
1: She's like. She's like the, the the prissy wife who's making herself up to sure. go pick up her husband for a hostage crisis. No, she's good in that. So, again, I let's just uh, – she also did the voice of Mon Mothma in the radio adaptation of Return of the Jedi. Oh, there she uh. is. <laughs> That's where Thank I recognized you. it from. Just bad, I'll blame bad writing for everything in this episode. Uh, a couple little uh, trivia things from the, uh, the commentary I just wanted to mention before I forget. Uh, one, uh, they, they talk about Kiefer being on set and Eric Belfour was asking the guy who was the editor. And I don't even know how often editors on set, but he's like, have you ever noticed that anytime Kiefer's not on set, which this is the first time he's on the CTU set for the entire season. So when he's not on set, everybody's joking around, they're goofing off. The second Kiefer walks on set, everybody gets dead serious and they <laughs> do their job. Right. And even the editor's like, yeah, I have noticed that <laughs> Kiefer's got a presence there. Uh, but uh, if you had to take a guess, I mean, you've seen
0: him in the flesh, you had to take a guess how tall Kiefer Sutherland is. What would your guess be? He's, ah oh, the thing is, I was like a distance away from him. And when he's walking out on stage to perform, you know, like I'm just enamored by being in the same breath as a, such a beautiful man. I mean, he's he's not super tall from memory. Yeah, well, he, apparently he's only 5'8",
1: which yeah. uh, posed a problem when they had these scenes with James Cromwell because I know Donald Sutherland is taller than Kiefer is, but still they, they, they cast an actor that they, they almost question the casting of James Cromwell, just on a physical point of view, it's like James Cromwell is like six foot three in real life, and tall. then Kiefer is like five foot eight. So that that you know, I don't know the 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 scenes next week they're shot in a way where it's like, well, they maybe they actually did this scene just to sort of hide Poor that. Tom height Cruise, difference, right? every <laughs> Tom Cruise is. i <laughs> you know i I'm, I'm this is just my rant. I'm so tired of people picking on Tom Cruise's height. I went through every action star I could think of. Tom Cruise is like five foot seven, five foot eight, real five eight maybe. So let's say five six to five eight, somewhere in there. basically my height, your height, somewhere around that. Every other action star I could think of is the same height or shorter. Nobody picks on Jason Statham for his height. He's like the same height of shorter. He should be Jet Li is shorter. Sylvester Stallone is like five foot seven, five foot eight. You wouldn't know it because of the way they film the movies. Why does anybody care about Tom Cruise's height?
0: Leave him alone. I love these just passion that remember. came out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> we spent how many years calling this guy gay, but as soon as I bagged his height out, no, he's not short. Leave, Leave him alone.
1: alone. <laughs> just, it's fine if he is short. Keep for short. Why not? Um, uh, yeah. So that, that's the the trivia tidbits of what I could stand in the commentary. Uh, let's get into the worst stuff in this episode. Marilyn Bauer, um, I might have high praise for Josh in uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks, because oh, I'm sure you're very good with whoever you are. What was it? Uh, plays the Marilyn here, um, oh, Jenny, <laughs> Miss Guiding light, Miss Young and the Restless, Rena uh, Sofa. Sure She's a sofa. And Think again, about I'm... her. She, she literally is a couch. Rena Sofa. Okay, my couch to the right uh, of me. Better acting
0: ability in this episode.
1: I think if you come from a soap opera background and you write soap opera dialogue like this, like it's, it's hard to blame the actor. I'm trying not to blame the actor. Some other people find a way out of this. Like Kiefer finds a way out of it, even this scene. But again, he's not used to that soap opera style of acting. You give a soap opera dialogue and hire a soap opera actor. You're going to get this. I'm sure if you cast her in the wire or the shield, she'd be great. Just like the screenwriter of this episode, but not here. Uh, The way that she's delivering these lines about, you know, I knew it was over with Graham years ago and oh. the only reason i stayed with him was because of josh um even the, the the look she gives jack Kiefer kind of saves this scene but kind then the of. way where she <laughs> the way that she well because the the way that this the scene is written where she's like you know come to think about it, there was a time years ago where i thought graham was having an affair so i followed him like a stalker and i saw him go into the suspicious house and i overheard a russian voice <laughs> It's like, this is the best way you could connect the dots in this episode. It's just horrible. Uh, and Jack's like, do you think if you saw the house again, now that it's four years later, there's one house you saw from the you know in the dark hiding the bushes. You recognize it. And she sort of looks off screen. It's like, I don't know. Yes, I believe I could. <laughs>
0: no, God. just stop. Um,
1: you know that yeah, Simpsons it, episode? It, it,
0: stop, make it stop. And they're like, baiting uh... him. he's already beaten. Make it stop. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's so bad.
1: Uh, and then when Jack basically says, Okay, I want you to go tell Josh that uh, you know, you're gonna have to come with me, they quickly cut to a scene with Bill, I think, that is no longer than ten seconds long. And then they come back and Marilyn's already in the room telling Josh, All right, so like I said, go with your grandpa. I'll be back in a bit. Again, is so every conversation with Josh happens in like the quickest, you know, blink of an eye. Because then the baddies <laughs> <laughs> get him off It's straight. just all kind of the. don't even worry about the real time stuff, let's just get it off. Um yeah, and then Phillips like, "Well, you know what? It's okay. I'll take uh Josh. Bill said it was okay." You haven't even been questioned yet. Why are
0: they You're connected. The you
1: own the company that is connected to Gradenko. Somebody do it deep. They sat down with Kim and uh uh terry yeah. in season one in a safe house yeah. and videotape them great point to, to get information this is a guy who's connected to it i don't know i don't believe that they're ever gonna let him go let alone take a cell phone you out of the. you tortured he's audrey rains
0: because you briefly thought she was connected you tortured <laughs> what's her face sarah because oh no she also just yeah. you tortured these people oh No, no you've you got Pop james Cromwell. you scallywag Nadia on
1: like limited access because yes. she was born in a Middle Eastern country or whatever. her Grandparents are born or something like that. Phillip's making phone calls. So he's conducting business at CTU. Sexist it's just a...
0: Old white man. Yep. Rich white man. Yeah. Let's get rid of him. He's obviously <laughs> innocent.
1: Now You have to tell me if this is deleted because this is, uh, I watched this with the deleted scenes, which kind of play opposite. So I don't know if this entire scene is deleted. Chloe comes in or he's basically, she's basically asking for Morris's help. And it's like, well, you could have Nadia. Well, Nadia is not good enough for this. OK, you could have Morris. And that's immediately followed by her going in. And this is where they have the scene. Uh, we're short-handed. Get your shirt on. Let's go. Uh, but then there's a slap. That's from, in the episode. Uh, hey, oh, I was hoping that wasn't because that is even more soap opery than the the, the the Maryland stuff. How oh. dare you? It's, yeah. just, oh, it's just so painful. That's where I actually wrote my notes. This is the worst episode ever. Uh, and then Marilyn, where she's talking to Jack, I've been trying not to think about you for over 20 years. Uh, <laughs> so bad. And people criticize George Lucas for his dialogue. Like this is an, coming off an Emmy win the season before. Uh, leave George Lucas alone and leave Tom Cruise alone. That's what I say. Um yeah, Philip is already like at a gas station. I don't know how far away from C two, unless they actually have a gas station around. Like, well, I, I, we find out next week they do have a gas station I or do. a liquor store at least across the street. Got to keep that liquor stocked across from the government facilities. Uh, and Philip's already calling. Like this is something where yes, drag this out. He lets Marilyn leave, and then he's immediately like. Uh, by the way, um, yeah, so I killed uh, your husband and I'm going to kill your son unless you do exactly what I tell you to Now, I was so zoned out at this point. I don't even know, does he give her the address of where they're supposed
0: to go? Yeah, he says, He says, like, tell you're going to tell this is where you're going to go. And then she's all like, oh, actually, I remember. It's on this street, which Jack, again, Jack doesn't question. How do you just remember an address all of a sudden? Oh, yeah, I, I yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh, uh,
1: what, I like the way Philip says, now say thank you, Susan. Yeah, i that down. <laughs> Thank you,
0: Susan. <laughs> I want you to say thank you. That
1: was going to be my opening line. I want you to
0: say thank you, Susan.
1: Uh, uh, she she is smart. She covers it again. All right, I'll talk to you later, Susan. See you soon. <laughs> uh, now, the way this is filmed again, like I want to give some props, you know, uh, throughout this episode, but bad direction here too. When you have these phone conversations, you can hear both sides of it. You don't have to cut to Marilyn's expression, especially when her expression is so over the top. Uh, and you hear the muffled sound of Philip's voice. Now, Merlin, I will kill Josh if we don't do this. This is loud enough that if the audience is hearing it, Jack's hearing it, he's sitting next to her. Yeah. <laughs> Why is Jack not hearing this? Um, yeah, and then uh, it's like 20 minutes later, Morris comes out and he's finally gotten dressed. The only thing in this episode that doesn't happen in the blink of an eye is Morris getting dressed. He's apparently got 16 layers of underwear that he has to put on first. <laughs> um, Josh is uh, asking Philip here, when they're walking through the, the hotel they're going to be uh, hiding out at here. I want to know my dad died. Well, not now. I just want to know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't deal with this. Um, Marilyn tells them where to go, sends them into the house that ends up getting bombed. Uh, this is where I wonder if Philip actually gave them the address or not. Milo and Marilyn get away. We get a quick action sequence here. I even got a poke holes in this because Jack's knocked out by the blast, but then however long it takes for Marilyn and uh, Milo to get like six blocks away. You get Jack coming to, oh, oh, and it's like five minutes later or something like that. Keep this in mind at the beginning of the next episode where Jack makes it on foot in about 30 seconds, however far they drove and we're able to crash this car. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why during the shootout Milo's not wearing a vest. You're going in to apprehend the guy who has nuclear bombs and you're not. He's wearing like his shirt on buttons. <laughs> I'm sorry that's, to that's, poke every hole in this episode. No, but that's
0: not the biggest hole. You're bearing the lead. Why is Milo there? He's an analysis. It yeah. doesn't go in there to format files. And now he's there with a gun. Like what?
1: Uh, and they even have to say, well, well where's Milo? Uh, we have to send him off in the field. For what reason? I don't know. There's never but then Milo... explanation. <laughs> who doesn't have a bulletproof vest when everybody is wearing bulletproof vests in this, especially going into Apprehended Terrace, knows exactly where in the truck to find the grenades, and he blows up a truck. Yep. Milo's an action hero. That's end of the episode. Uh, yeah, it's the worst episode ever.
0: Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to add because you covered everything. It's just so bad. And just, this is, again, Josh and Marilyn are terrible characters. And and to me, we haven't even gotten to freaking, what's his face, Ricky Schroeder yet. Um, It's we're very close to him, I feel. But it's just, oh, it's just bad. And then, like, you can tell Kiefer is trying his best to save everything. He does save everything along with it. But even just his turn from Philip, like, I like, again, as you say, like, why does he have to tell us straight away? Why is he just, like, whatever? And then, like, Jack goes straight to Marilyn being evil next week. Um, I, I just think that's honestly Kiefer choking it. Because, like, can you act better? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kiefer, do the scene again. All right, sorry, our character name's Marilyn. Um, And even but, I mean, the action, like, if you actually – the explosion looks cool because you see the stunt man when he jumps out of the building, they do a very clever cut where you kind of see the fire, like engulf that stunt man. He go, oh shit, like that looks like it really got him. And then when they quick cut to the exterior, you then see it kind of seamlessly, the stunt man hit the ground and it's like, it's very cleverly done. And obviously that stunt man, very brave because that fire does like get on him very quickly. Um, but yeah, just everything about it. And again, I, I think I remember watching this live to the point where even I was just like, huh, okay, like, it just felt a bit, like, odd. But this is, I think, that period of the season when you're watching it live that, again, as, as I kept saying, like, I don't didn't hate this passionately when I watched this live, but you definitely felt something was a bit different and off. And that's often when you feel like, like, it was yeah. like when I saw The Last Jedi. I didn't walk out of The Last Jedi going, oh, I hated that. I remember going, huh, that was a bit different. I don't know how I feel, because you automatically are saying to yourself, I didn't like it, but I don't want to dislike Star Wars. This was kind of like watching this mm-hmm. going, like, yeah. I didn't like it, but I don't want to dislike 24. So you're kind of balancing those thoughts in your head going, oh, but the explosion was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this that brings up an interesting bad. point. Because <laughs> uh, I've I mentioned it a couple
1: times that, um, you know, I stopped watching this with about six episodes left to go in the season. And it wasn't like I'm like, I'm done with 24. It was just oh, I don't really have the motivation to continue, but yet I'm trying to pinpoint at what point I gave up because there's nothing here that, that's coming back to me as being clear. Like I didn't like this the first time around. You know, some of the stuff I'm going into it, I remember this more fondly. We're gonna get into some stuff next week where I'm like, I definitely remember that a little bit more fondly than what we actually
0: see. Yeah. Uh, but at what point? Did we give up on this? I don't know if I'm actually going to remember. Well, I, I, I mean, there, there is some stuff in this season that I still remember getting extremely like when Audrey comes back. Don't get me wrong, like that's one of the most excited I've ever been in an episode of Twenty Four in my entire life. I think the ending of this season, um, is a great ending. Um, y- you know, I, I've said constantly that this is a, a, an ending that is better than some of the other finales, that, or at least one of them that's come before it. Um, but yeah, like I don't know, but yeah, I'm talking too much about this. This is horrible, and I'm glad you're on the train. So, um, this is a terrible episode.
1: Um, Well, the train's almost done, so uh, bear with us. Uh, Trivia stuff, uh, Adam E. Fierro, who wrote the episode, joins the production staff as co-executive producer. Okay, he comes in with this script, and they say, let's give you a producer's credit. Uh, Now, the the funny thing is I looked this up. This is episode number 10. If you look on IMDb, he is a, or episode number 9. Is this? Yeah, it is 9, you're right. So he's a co-executive producer, according to IMDb for 10 episodes this season. So they give him a co-executive producer job, but then let him go before the end of the season. Oh, he <laughs> he's got biggest this failure in the history of 24. <laughs> <laughs> and he never wrote an episode again, which is weird. Um, yeah, one one thing here about Philip, uh, uh, saying Jack saying to him, there's four remaining nukes. At this point, there were only three in the hands of terrorists. I don't know if he's going to be passing along to his dad or if uh, Jack even knew that. Uh, this is my favorite one. After Milo has detonated the C2 truck and runs off with Marilyn, three police vehicles can be seen in the background as Philip's mercenaries turn the corner in chase of them. Seemingly, they aren't concerned
0: with the large explosion. <laughs> well, it's like they just had a nuclear bomb. Goes, that's not an... Ex- it's like it's Crocodile Dundee. That's not an explosion. Yeah. <laughs> or it's <over> to Valencia. <laughs> that's an explosion. <laughs> uh, anything in the book? I skimmed through it. I think it mentions about the uh, Adam Mifiera, e. about his uh, background, and I think it talks to... Uh, sofa actress. I don't give a shit about reading about her. I'm sorry. Again, I'm sure you're a lover. You honestly seem like a genuinely nice woman, and I'm sure you are fantastic on Passions or whatever the hell you were on. But, like, can we cover Passions? Um, but, like, we, we're not here for Passions actors right now. I apologize, Miss Sofa.
1: Uh, yeah, we've both been in this, and it's ranked last. Uh, there we go. That was quick. Which, um, 100, no so that's
0: 129 out of 129. But I will say that uh, this still cracks the top 200 overall for me. So this will make it to 198 after 206, which goes to show the rubbish that's got to follow this. There are <laughs> six more episodes of this season that will be ranked below this. I'm just saying that right now wow. in Ben Waterworth's opinion, including next week. So we're going to be divided a little bit on next Aww. week because we I, have the dumbest I plot in the history of 24 next week. The dumbest plot. I'm telling you now. I don't love it, uh, but it could be coming off
1: of what four or five straight really mediocre episodes that I enjoy. There's there's a couple things that I enjoy Tell a me lot a next week steal. that might save it. We'll see. We'll Aww, see. But uh, it's not going to be worse than this week. It, 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 it does oh, not get worse than this episode. Oh, what a chicken soup oh, with yum. crackers. It's a very uh, thick no soup. rice or noodles in it. Um, yes, it's very thick. That's the way Casper likes it. That's his favorite. Um, I'm not going to comment on where that could
0: have gone. and You, more just, than us you just move on here. Um, other episodes, you said Violent Night is this week? Violent Night is this week. So if you want an entertaining episode and an entertaining thing to watch, watch Violent <laughs> Night uh, as we yes. get through our horror Christmas month. And obviously we're a couple of weeks away from our best of as well as we're getting very close to the end of the year. But yeah. Um, Yes, we will have a Christmas Day episode of 24. As you said, it will be Wayne Palmer nearly dies. Well, does he?
1: Now, I uh, I, I haven't watched that episode yet, but is it going to
0: be a good Christmas present? Is that one of the good ones of the, the season? I mean, I will say this. It won't be ranked the worst episode of the season. Um, <laughs> but I will also say this. It has Bart Simpson in it. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> I mean, seriously, did we all forget that Nancy Cartwright was in an episode of 24? <laughs> because Nancy Cartwright's in an episode of 24. Uh, so uh, Christmas stuff going
1: on. Uh, amazing Race. I don't know if it's still going on, but if it hasn't, they wrapped up the season. And good job, Rocky. Uh, and then next week, we will get to uh, see the, the conclusion of this shootout, uh, as well as um, Lennox gets in some more trouble. And the return somebody, somebody pukes on camera the return of somebody yes big return which that i'm i'm see that's one of the things next week where i'm like this kind of saves the episode a little bit uh somebody puking on camera is uh what it's all about though that's what we're gonna be here for uh that
0: will be it my name is colin and thank you susan And my name is Ben. And stop feeling sorry for yourself and end this episode. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider.